Amazing grace, how sweet the sound, that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Let's pray. Father, for your amazing grace, for your amazing grace, we thank you and we bless you. Oh, God, that you would stoop down and send your son into this messed up world to give us life, to be our light, to show us the way, to be the way, to die so we might be forgiven and become your own children. Speak to us this morning, God. If there are broken people here. There's brokenness in our lives. Your word says that you are near the broken. And I pray that your amazing grace will be manifested in people's minds, their hearts, their lives. And that you will give us humble hearts to turn to you. Forgive us of our hardness. Forgive us where we've allowed evil to overcome us. God, heal us that we might overcome evil with your goodness. Speak to us through your word, we pray this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. It's so good to be with you. It's so good to look around and see a church building pretty well filled up. Uh, Have you all all looked around this morning? I know you're scattered out, and I want to encourage you to remain scattered out. Uh, But it's good to be back together in the household of God. I want to call your attention in the scriptures to Psalms, the very first Psalm. I'm going to read it from two different translations. Psalm 1. I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm almost tired of even turning the news on, uh, of seeing some other darkness. We live in a time where, for various reasons, it seems like we're in, a, in an apocalyptic time. Uh, people ask, is it the end of time? Is, is Christ coming? We don't really know that. We, we, we can't give an answer to that. Some of the events we're experiencing are worldwide. Some of those events are here in the, just confined mostly to the U.S. But we can ask, how should we live? I remembered this morning as graduates were uh, coming and, and how grateful and how proud in a, in a godly sense of proud we are of of you folks that are graduating and of what you've accomplished and, and uh, the time and the energy you've put in. And I remembered, and I can remember that far back. It's amazing to me. I remember when I graduated. And, and people blessed me and uh, prayed over me. And I had no idea what the world held in front of me. And... Uh, And I just want to speak this morning, not just to the graduates, but to all of us. I want to speak about the two ways 
the Bible says there's two ways. There are two roads and two paths. The New Testament speaks of that. Jesus said the broad way and the narrow way. The way that leads to death and destruction, eternal separation from God, and the narrow way that leads, leads us to God and leads us to life. The easy road and the hard road. Well, let's read these passages and ask the Lord to speak to us. I'm reading first out of the New American Standard Translation, which is a, a literal, probably the most literal word-for-word word translation. Understand that when you translate from one language to the other, to say it's a word-for-word word is, is always inaccurate because some words have no meaning in another language, have no equivalent. Um, some things that are common to us make no sense at all to someone else if we said the, the word. So, but as closely as can be, New American Standard Version is probably the most literal translation there is. And, and it reads this, how blessed is the man. And in this sense, we look at the word the man in a generic sense and because man can mean... It can mean a male, or for hundreds, even thousands of years, it has been also used to mean a person, a man, a human. How blessed is the man, the human, who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, <clears throat> nor sit in the seat of the scoffers, but... His delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and its leaf does not wither, and whatever he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, and I, and I want you to, this may not mean anything to you, but when it says the wicked are not so, in Hebrew it's just, it just puts this, this, there's this construction and it's just not. And it says the word and it just puts not. It's like, you know, when one of your kids says, I'm going to go do this, and you say not, the not nullifies. The not reverses the knot turns around the wicked not so not so they're like chaff which the wind drives away chaff is when when people threshed beans or they've threshed wheat or whatever in those days before modern machinery and, and we did this we we would put uh <clears throat> if any of you've done this some of some of you people that date yourself like me we, we put dried peas or dried beans in a burlap sack we call it a croaker sack I'm not sure why we called it that it's just what we called it and and we took a stick and we beat those to break the loose beans out of the shells and the husk and then we would take when the wind was blowing you take that and have a, a mat around you so you could throw that up in the air and the wind would blow that which was not 
beans, husk, shells, blow it away. And what fell down was the peas. Now, you had to do that a couple of times. And, and Jim, Brother Jim, thank you. You remember that. I know there are other people in here who remember doing things like this. You're just ashamed to say so. Uh, <clears throat> what did not blow away had value. That which was weighty and substantive remained. It's almost like what Jesus said, in uh, the Bible says in Hebrews, there's coming a time I'm going to shake everything that can be shaken so that the things that cannot be shaken will remain. And that's going to happen in the future, but it happens in our lives too. The wicked are not so. They're like chaff when the wind drives away, which the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not, and this again, that word not, the wicked will stand in the judgment, not, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. The Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Now I'm going to read to you from the Good News translation. <clears throat> and this is what's called a dynamic equivalent uh, translation. It is not a word for word, it's a thought for thought. It is taking a thought and a concept and putting it into context in another language or linguistic group, putting that in, in just the thought process there. And so listen to what it says. Happy are those who reject the advice of evil people, <clears throat> who do not follow the example of sinners or join those who have no use for God. Instead, they find joy in obeying the law of the Lord, and they study it day and night. They're like trees that grow beside a stream, that bear fruit at the right time, and whose leaves do not dry up. They succeed in everything they do. But evil people are not like this at all. They are like straw that the wind blows away. Sinners will be condemned by God and kept apart from God's own people, but the righteous are guided and protected by the Lord. But the evil are on their way to doom. Pray with me for a second. Father, your word so graphically tells us about these two paths, and I ask you again, open our minds and open our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Those who graduate, will, some will be moving on to this job or to this next level of college or to this or to that. And every one of us need to understand they're looking at all the different paths that are out there. And they're asking, what do I want to do with my life? What, do, what does God want me to do with my life is what a Christian asks. A Christian has learned to say, it's not about me, but it's what's God's will for my life. And so you're, you're looking at all these different possibilities. And, and this, this psalm was written in order to sing to the Lord and to sing to one another, uh, praise to God for how he guides and how he directs and how he makes people who are uncompromisingly righteous who seek after God 
with an uncompromising heart, how God establishes them and how God blesses them and how God protects them does not mean the wind will not blow. The same hurricane winds blow in everybody's life. But at the end of the day, when everything that can be shaken has been shaken and blown away and only the things that can't blow away remain, God's presence in our lives and God's truth in our lives remain the things that cannot be shaken and moved away as I read the paper I've discovered I'm turning into my grandmother I think she used to get the paper just to look at the old bits and I said you think about dying all the time I guess well that's a 15 year old perspective but now I'm 66 and I say wonder who died this week. But when I read the paper and when I watch television, I see varying stories put out and I see scenes that are just terrible. I lived through the race riots of Watt in the 60s. I lived through the racial tension I got on the bus after a basketball game in Tuskegee, Alabama, when all the windows had been busted out, and I sat in glass. I stayed in the locker room until the state police cleared the path to get on the bus to leave. I preached against racism and stood against it. And stood for the fact that God does not look at us as black or white or Mexican or any other race as far as his love and acceptance for us. There are two paths that every human being must choose. And one of them leads to destruction and one leads to life. And that is the defining moment of our lives. It's the defining movement of our lives. It is not what our skin tone is. It's not whether we're bald or have hair. You can laugh. It's okay. I cut grass yesterday. And by the way, someone asked me this week, Brother Gear, why'd you shave your head? Well, if you missed it, I shaved my head because my grandson has leukemia. And the heavy, heavy treatments is making hair fall out. And I was trying to bless him a little bit. Uh, and he did laugh out loud when he saw me. So I was cutting grass yesterday, and I have, because of my allergies, I have to wear this full-face respirator. I look like something from outer space on my 60-inch zero-turn mower, going down and popping wheelies and doing rare-ups and all that stuff on my... I, don't do that, kids. You've got to be an old man to do that. And I have this face mask, and it has straps, and so I discovered when I looked in the mirror that I had definitive I want to say tan lines they're not tan yet they're red, red lines and uh and that my I tanned in squares <laughs> so now aren't you glad you laughed a little bit doesn't it feel good to laugh I mean if you've been watching the news there's not a lot to laugh about in this country right now the psalmist is is writing a song to celebrate the fact that there is an alternative lifestyle to the way of this world. 
The alternative lifestyle is not about color or skin or nationality or language. The alternative lifestyle is about living a life that honors God and doing what is right to other people in the eyes of God and living a life that includes eternal life versus the way of this world. And the way of this world is not the way of God. The Bible describes this world's thinking as futile, as empty. And the Bible says very specifically that when people reject the knowledge of God that they have, that He gives them over to a depraved mind. And all you've got to do is turn on the television. Murder, violence, Well, let's get into this text. Happy are those who reject the advice of evil people. If you want to live a life that's blessed, if you want God's blessings on your life, the word happy is a good translation. Blessed, to be envied, is the person who chooses not the counsel of the wicked. It says basically three things. It says, and there's a progression here. It says they reject the advice of evil people. They don't follow the example of sinners. And they don't join up with those who have no use for God. And it, and it, it, it projects it in three kinds of ways, three movements. Does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. Here's the picture of movement. You're walking, but you've chosen. You've chosen that your steps are being guided by the advice of an ungodly world. You cannot walk in a godly way if your advisors are ungodly. Do black lives matter? Absolutely. Do white lives matter? Yes, all lives matter to God. And no, that's not a racist statement. And I'll challenge anybody to prove Gary Dennis is a racist. My black brothers and sisters, who are not my brothers and sisters because they're black, they're my brothers and sisters because we have the same heavenly Father, the creator of all mankind. If you believe that black lives matter and you do nothing to deal with the fact that the biggest killer of black lives is abortion, you're not dealing with truth. Nothing's going to change in black communities or white communities until we deal with truth. And the truth is the biggest killer in America is abortion. And church, we've been too silent too long. Retaliation for violence only brings about more violence. The way of Jesus is the way of getting your counsel not from the forces of evil, but from the forces of godliness. 
The man is blessed when the wicked are saying, come this way. And I want to tell you there are two forces that work in this country who are intent on polarizing our nation. Now, I'm not going to say they're this or they're that because there are people behind the scenes who are pulling the strings, inciting inciting hatred between races, inciting hatred between male and female, inciting hatred between all different mixed up groups who have some motive for that. The only motive I can think of is power and control and money. There are some people who profit off of hate, but it's not God's people. And that's not who we are. Do not allow yourself to be sucked into the definement of who you are by what you see going on and what people around you are saying. If your conceptions politically and your conceptions spiritually are based upon the television and it's based upon what people said at work and it's based upon you wanting to fit in with the people around you, you're walking in the council of this world and this world is under the sway of the devil behind every lie is the father of lies the only way you can know the truth is to know the one who is truth and his name is Jesus and you find about him in this book How blessed is the one who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners. So here's a person, he's kind of walking toward, and he finds this path of sinners, and the wicked, he's been listening, and so you're walking along, and if you're not, if you're not paying attention, the advice you get will put you right smack in the path that's going the wrong way. When you go to college, those of you who are going to college, you're going to find, especially if you go to so-called secular college, state college, you're going to find there are people there who are intent on destroying your faith in God, who will ridicule the simple country belonging that you feel, who would challenge you about your sexual orientation, who would challenge and, and tear against all that you have held as true. And if you listen to their advice, you'll be on the wrong path. And when you get in the path of sinners and you stand with them, first you find yourself walking a little ways, but pretty soon you get really involved and you find yourself standing around and gathering around. And the next step in this progression is Now you're no longer just kind of entertaining, but you've taken a seat with the scoffers, the mockers. You've self-identified and defined yourself by those who oppose God rather than those who know God. That happens every day. And, and hear me, young people, teenagers, College students, you're going to be tested. When you get into the world that's beyond the church in your home, you're going to be tested in every way that you can be tested to try to tell you who you ought to be. And that's why you have this psalm that says, that's one way, 
but it leads to death and destruction. I want you, we'll come back to that. But I want you to notice what it says about the ones for whom this is not true. Happy are those who reject the advice of evil people, who do not follow the example of sinners, who do not join in with those who have no use for God. Instead, they find joy in obeying the law of God. They find joy and liberty. Listen, obedience to God is not a slavish thing. Obedience to God brings liberty in your life. I mean, I had friends when I worked in field in Alaska. I had friends... I got up one morning to get ready for work, about 6 o'clock to go take my shower, and there's a guy coming down, just bouncing down the hall, and he says, good morning, Gary. I said, good morning, man. You are up this early? He said, up? Man, I hadn't been to sleep. I've been partying all night. And you can go after the easy lifestyle. You can go after easy money. You can go after go along to get along to fit in with people and get their approval on you and they will take you down the path that leads to destruction and to hell itself. But the one who's blessed is the one who rejects this and who chooses to get advice not from an ungodly world that's bent on destruction, but who chooses to get advice, they find joy in the truth of God's word and his laws. And, and in fact, it says their delight is in the law of the Lord. What does that mean? You know, when I met Debbie, I was a, pretty much a broken person. I was wounded. I was so beat up and so down. And I met this lady who also was broken. And I began to pray for her. Well, she was the only person I knew that hurt as bad as I'd hurt. But after I began to pray for her and talk with her a little bit, I began to think, this is a really nice person. She loves Jesus. She loves Jesus like I love Jesus. And I began to find myself desiring to interact with her. I'm in Alabama. She's in Louisiana. And before you know it, I'm coming home from work, getting my kids ready to go to school or getting ready to go to bed and doing their homework. And bless your heart if you're a single parent, it's a hard life, isn't it? And I'm anticipating and longing just to pick up the phone and hear her voice. Delight. Delight is when you want to be together. Delight is when you find good pleasure in the company of another. To delight means you really like. And so those who learn to delight in God's ways, who don't know what path to take, who hear words from Democrats and Republicans, from black and white, and life is confusing and they want truth. Well, listen, go here. It's here. And learn to love what God says and learn to love what God does. And you will find that your life, yes, you will have hardship in your life. But guess what? You're going to have hardship in your life anyway. You'll find that God's Word works. It works. His delight is in the law of the Lord. And in His law, He meditates day and night. 
To meditate in the Hebrew is to chew the cud. It's a picture of a cow who grazes all day. And then he regurgitates and he chews back on what he's already got. And so your mind and your heart are engaged when you're, when you're meditating, when you're pondering over, when you're studying over. It is, it is arrogance to think that, that we know so much about life. It is, it is a sin of youth often to be arrogant and assume that old people are dumb. And it's arrogance of old people to assume that youth are dumb. The wise man seeks understanding, the Bible says. And where do you get understanding? You get it from the Lord. I tell you what, when I was a parent, I'd never been a parent before. And so I, I looked to the Bible to find what the Bible says about being a parent. I talked to people who had been apparently successful at parenting. I sought wisdom. When you find joy in doing life as God says do it, you'll find that your life has a lot of joy, simply at obeying. They find joy in obeying the law of the Lord. They study it day and night. They ponder over what this means and how it applies in my life. It is my, one, of, one of my grandchildren, I won't say which one, because I'm not saying this to embarrass him or anybody, but I think he was six or seven years old and he came out with something and said, I am I'm the master of electronics, of Apple. I said, of all electronics, you've mastered electronics in your life at seven? Wow! You must be the smartest guy ever lived. Well, Paul, not, not all electronics, just Apple products. I said, uh, like I said, and I knew what he had done. <clears throat> he used my wife's phone, and he'd, he'd figured out the passcode so he could get on her phone when she put him out of it. And uh, I said, what did you, how'd you figure out Granny's passcode? How do you know I did that? I said, I'm just old. I've been around a long time. How is it that at seven you've already accumulate all the knowledge of of the world in such a short time that you're the master of that but yet isn't listen I'm being a little silly but isn't it foolish to to get advice all of your advice from people around you who've never gone any further than you have huh call your friend and ask well what should I do about this and they're guessing just like you're guessing Being old doesn't make you wise, but God's Word makes you wise, and God's ways make you wise. Instead, they find joy. Well, let's finish this up and wrap it up here in a moment. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says if you, if you reject the world's advice and you find your knowledge and your understanding from God and you dig in His Word and you learn how to parent, you learn how to be a husband, you learn how to be a wife, you learn how to treat people with respect, you learn not to murder nor encourage people in their murder, you learn not to prejudge people according to fleshly things, but to look people through the eyes of Jesus. When your heart is changed and you delight in God's Word, here's what happens. God's Word says you're going to be like a tree that grows beside a stream. 
Now, this is written in a desert land, and if you're in the desert, everything's pretty brown usually. But if you look across in the distance and you see green trees, there's water there. You can get there, you find water. And so in the desert, if there's a river and the trees that are planted there are thriving, they're tall, they're lush, they're thriving. Why? Because they're rooted. They're rooted and the wind blows, it doesn't blow them over. And they're green and thriving with fruit. Why? Because they're connected. They have hidden resources. Their roots have access to water. And they bear fruit in season. And if you want your life to be blessed and like that, look around at some of the people in our church who've lived a life informed and infused by the knowledge and the power of God and His Word, and you're going to find some wisdom and you're going to find people whose lives are fruitful. But you look around and find people in the world whose lives are like a desert. They're rootless. And the Bible says, not so the wicked. The wicked are not rooted, they're rootless. They're not stable, they are unstable. Not so the wicked. They're like straw that the wind blows away. The blessing of God comes on people whose lives are informed by Him and infused with His life and power. Sinners will be condemned by God. And ultimately, they'll be kept apart from God's own people. But the righteous will be guided and protected by the Lord. But the evil are on the path to doom. I've been young, and now I'm old at least in my eyes, in some of your eyes, some of my older friends look at me and say, you, you don't know what old is. And I like having those people in my life. One of the psalmists said in Psalm 34, he said, I've been young and, I've been, and now I'm old and I've never seen the righteous forsaken. God is faithful. There are resources for your life but they're not found chasing the wind and the world. They're found in a relationship you build with the Father through His Son. You know, the Bible teaches us that at the end of the time when this earth is over, there'll be a separation. When you die, you die as a person who is lost without Christ because you never turned to Christ and accepted Him and bowed your knee to Him and surrendered your life and began to let Him be the one who teaches you how to do life. Lost. Doomed. And the Bible teaches that at the end of time, there's going to be a, everybody who's ever lived is going to be assembled before God. And those whose names are not written in the book of life, that is, those who knew that they were sinners and needed God to infuse them with His life so they could have life that is rooted and eternal. Those who don't have that will be cast out. The last chapter of the book of Revelation, the first chapter or the, the, the first part of Genesis, there's a separation and they're cast out of the garden. And Jesus has been trying to get us back to himself 
since then. He died on a cross to bring us back to himself. The beginning of the book and the end of the book ends with separation cast out, but inclusion to all who would come to him. The answer to Americans' problems is not more violence. It's not more hatred. The answer to America's problems can be fixed one at a time, one life at a time, one home at a time, when you and I come to the place where we say, God, I give my life to you. And not just where we say it with our words, but we say it with our lives, and we make him the delight of our life, so that we can love even those who hate us. So that we can love even those who mistreat us. So we can pray for those who do us wrong. So we can turn the cheek away from the one who wants to gain mastery of us by slapping us. Do you realize when Jesus said turn the cheek, he wasn't saying be weak. He said be strong. Someone who slaps you, if he can get you to punch them back, he's got you. He pulled your strings. There's a lot of that going on in America. But if he slaps you and can't get you to hate him, then you can say from a good heart, here, you, you missed this spot. Then God can control you, and your good can overcome evil. This morning, I want us to pray as a church. We're going to have an invitation time, and we're going to invite you to come. Brother Dave's going to come stand at the front. We're going to sing a song. Number one, if you've never, ever, on the level with God, honestly said to the Lord, I surrender. I surrender. I'm not talking about if you repeated formula prayers. I'm talking about surrender from the core of your heart to Jesus Christ as Lord of your life. Give your life to Him. You begin to walk the way. It's a narrow way. It's not an easy road. It's a hard road. But if you walk that way, God says, I will be with you. I will prosper you. I will bless you in everything you do. You let me be the controlling factor in what you think and do, and I'll bless you going and coming. Everything you do will prosper. God's allowed me to do a lot of different things in my life. And I don't ever remember doing anything that God didn't prosper. Not because I'm smart or superior, but because when you commit your way to the Lord, He will bless you in that way. So number one, if you've never surrendered, would you publicly surrender this morning? And if you need to make that a public thing and you need to be baptized, we invite you to come to Brother Dave. Or if you have questions about that, set up a time we'll talk with you in private. Number two, if you're a Christian and you've walked on this road, but you find yourself really listening to voices that are not God. I'm going to ask you to do something the Bible is very clear about, and that's called repent. That's a change of mind, change of heart, change of direction. The Bible says we all sin, but if we confess our sins and forsake our sins, God will forgive us, and He'll get us back on the right path. Number three, if you love this nation and you want to see God prevail in this nation, and you want to see love in the place of hate between the races and between the people. 
And if you'll make yourself an agent of change by living out practically in your life the commands of Jesus as best you know how, would you take whatever means, sit in your chair, kneel on the floor, kneel down this altar at the front, or would you surrender yourself to God fresh in you and say, God, use me. Use whatever days are left for me to be a person of peace and a peacemaker and to influence others. You know, one of the things I'm doing, years ago when I moved down here, I was convicted by God that I had no friends that were a lot different from me as far as our appearance. And I began to pray for God to give me some friends, specifically some black friends. And he did. My co-pastor of a church that I pastored that I started, Debbie and I started, was my size but bigger. Not quite as tall, but about 100 pounds heavier. And he is my dear brother in Christ. You'll probably get to meet him sometime. He's helping in another church. His son is a track and field coach where Madison's got a scholarship to go play ball. Known that kid since he was about that tall. Love him. We make a difference in people's lives just by doing what we do unto the Lord daily. And that's how the world gets changed. Would you ask God to change you so you can change the world? Pray with me. Father, you're good and we love you. Brother Dave is going to come in a moment. And Father, as he comes and stands at the front, if your word has spoken anything into people's hearts that need to be adjusted to, would you give us courage to act upon your truth and your word? Give us the grace we need. And God, we ask you that this morning that you do something in our church and in churches all over America to the degree that we have or I have ever treated people on the basis, Lord, of what they look like on the outside, their skin tone, their hair, their tattoos or anything else about them that I've treated them one way and other people differently. Please forgive me and forgive us as churches and help us, O oh God, to love like Jesus loved regardless of how people act or respond to us. Not some kind of silly, feel-good, emotional love, but the kind of hard choice love that is agape love, that is willing to suffer and die if necessary to bring people out of darkness into the light. Guide us this morning, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand? Brother Dave is here if you need to counsel with him. I want to encourage you. Now, don't take it personal if I don't shake your hand or get close to you. COVID is on the rise. I have no immune system, and I'm very, very susceptible to respiratory stuff. And if Debbie or I get it, we can't go see our grandson for at least two weeks afterwards. Brother Dave is here. He will counsel with you. He'll pray with you. If you want to make an appointment, either one of us will pray with you and guide you. When we get through with this invitation, we're going to have a time of prayer for our nation. And, and one, of our, one of our men this morning asked if we could have a time of prayer for my, my Brady. And that would be good.
as our choir sings, as our praise team sings, would you respond to the tugging of the Holy Spirit in your heart? Dave's going to lead us in a prayer in a moment. I want us to do something in addition to that. I want us to pray for our nation. We're at a hard place. And I said, and others have said, we've seen riots before, but the polarization is wider spread and has the background of all, seem like all the media stirring up. We need God. Without God, when you tell God you don't want him in your land, and if, if he leaves, there's no way to describe what's left but hell. Hell is the absence of God. I'm not cursing. I'm speaking biblical language. We need revival in our churches. It begins with us. It starts in us. Now, I'm going to lead you in prayer, and then Brother Dave's going to lead you in prayer uh, as well. Father... I just ask you this morning with all my heart that you would take Ozon Hill and use us 
Revive us, refresh us. Use us, O Lord, to be a lighthouse in the community. Raise up young people and send them out to serve you. Start revival here, I pray in Jesus' name. Brother Dave. If you'll indulge us just a few more minutes. We're going to be, have a, a, ask the church to gather in prayer for Brady. He has completed the first round of the uh, severe, severe chemotherapy to treat the uh, leukemia. And uh, his body is, is in a weakened condition. Hair is falling out and blood platelet levels are all messed up. His immunity system is, is shot. And he's at the place where they have to decide whether to go into what the next regimen of treatment is or go back and do the original one that he's just been through again. Uh, and there is infection at the, port, uh, at the place where the ports are that they've used for the chemotherapy that requires some surgery to move those ports and treat the infection and his, his uh, blood chemistry is such that he cannot withstand uh, the surgery. And so they are trying to, to, to build him up, make a decision as to how the, the, the treatment is gonna progress. Uh, and so we, uh, we're gonna pull together as a church today to pray for that. The, the prognosis is optimistic. Uh, the, uh, of getting there is going to be excruciatingly difficult. And so um, Gary and Debbie, uh, I'll go, I'll go see them regularly. And so we're going to have an empty chair here to represent Brady and Debbie and Gary because if Gary gets exposed to the virus or he, they get sick, they can't be around him for two or three weeks. And, uh, and so we're not going to do what, what we usually do is to gather around and lay hands, this kind of thing, because to protect them and to protect the opportunity for them to see Brady. But we're, we're going to pray for Brady and, and, and the family this morning. So I'm just going to ask you to stand where you are and, and, just, and just reach out. We're using a chair here as a symbol of, of, the, of, of, of who we're praying for, for, for Brady and the family. But this, let's just take a moment to up and ask God's uh, and, and healing and strength for the family uh, as they face the days ahead. If you'll join me in prayer. Father, we come to you as a church, as a, as a body of Christ, we pray for Brady, Lord. We thank you that this first round of this intense chemotherapy is finished and that it has left him uh, affected by that. And I pray, Lord, that you would strengthen him and encourage him uh, to, to move, be able to move into the next phases of treatment, that the surgeries that may be required and the treatment and the strengthening of him would, would take place, uh, and that, uh, that, that uh, the, the optimism of, 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 a, of a successful treatment regimen, that, that that would be realized. I pray for, for Debbie and for Brother Gary as they minister to him and that, that you would encourage them and that you would keep them healthy and keep them uh, from being exposed with their immune deficiency issues and that they would, uh, that they would remain healthy and to be encouraged. To, to draw together as a family for the parents, the extended family, everyone who's being affected by this. We pray, Lord, as a church, we're asking you to intervene, we're asking you to heal, and we're going to trust you with whatever the outcome is, and we're going to give you glory and praise for all that you do. In Jesus' name, amen. We'll see you. See you next week. Deacon's meeting, 4 o'clock. Have a good afternoon. <laughs>